QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser, and I'm joined by two other QPR fans uh, with me tonight. Both both debutants. Yeah. Both debutants. Yeah. Both debutants. We've got a bit of a strange setup. You two aren't strange, but it's very strange. Can you hear that noise? That noise is not Paul Finney. Paul Finney is missing his second podcast in a row. I think for the first time ever. I think for the first time ever. Disgrace. Uh, absolute <laughs> disgrace. Uh, Tumbleweed moment. Man. Yeah, exactly. As everybody switches off or switches on, depending on your Paul Finney persuasion. So uh, we have uh, Graham Robinson. Hello, everyone. And Dave Barton. Hello, good evening. Both first timers. And for some reason, we've decided to put uh, a microphone in front of Gabe, our engineer. Hello. I, don't, I think we've only done that because we have a spare microphone. That sounds and you're, about right. You're this mythical figure who we, we like get two tweets for a year. It's nice, so, isn't it? Yeah? Who, who are the two I don't know. Like saying, why can't I get it? Why is it not downloading to my phone? That kind of thing. Oh, that kind of thing. And you're, you're an Arsenal fan, so you're not going to... You, you know, we won't ask you for much, but maybe we'll get the odd, the odd um, extra insight from yeah, you whilst you twiddle... outside opinion. Whilst you twiddle your knobs with Harry... <laughs> Harry. Harry, who's helping you this evening. Right, okay. What do I need to tell you? Um, you can follow us on Twitter. If you haven't listened to a podcast before, you can follow us on Twitter. Please do, because we get loads of our ideas and thoughts and comments through that. We're at QPR Pod. If you go on Facebook, you can search for us, look for the new QPR podcast, and you can listen to all old episodes at qprpod.co.uk. Little date for your diary. We don't even know what we're doing yet, but we will be doing something. We're going to have our live pod this year on the 5th of May. So all details will come in due course. We'll put the tickets on sale. We'll say who we've got. Um, we believe it's the same day as the mayoral election, but only one place to be on that night. So 5th of May, and we'll give you loads more details as we go along. Right, we need to talk about the football team that is Jekyll and Hyde personified. Queen's Park Rangers. Uh, a couple of us were at the game on Saturday. Dave, you were there. What did you think? Yeah, well, yeah, I was there. Well, when the team was announced, we heard the team come through in the pub, and um, I kind of thought we'd struggle when I saw the team. There was no Phillips, Hoylett, and Poulter as well missing. But I thought what was weird about the way they picked the team wasn't kind of that they were missing. Oh, Hoylett had just had a child, hadn't he? So you can see why he was missing. But they changed the whole shape of the team. Mm. So rather than Cherry playing off the striker, they put him on the wing and he looked a bit out of sorts there. And they had an extra man in midfield. So then Luongo kind of didn't really get involved as much as he did the week before. kind of didn't really work. I didn't really understand why he didn't play. Um, why did he drop Phillips? I don't know. Why he did he drop Phillips bench, if Hoylett wasn't going to play? I, don't, I didn't really get it because he come on for half an hour, didn't he? Yeah, okay, yeah. See, I, and and I, we did look like a bit more of a threat yeah. than we had at that well, point. Well, we had more whip then because Cherry was always trying to come inside all the time because he's, that's where he plays. Yeah. So we had no whip when he was coming inside at the time. I didn't really get why they didn't just play Patresso on the wing. I know he's only a kid, but mm. why not play him? He played MK Dons. Why not give him a go in that mm-hmm. game? And then you can keep the same shape as the week before. And, you know, it may well have worked. Um, it, it just, you know, I thought, uh, we said a bit earlier, we played all right in the first half. It was a bit boring, but... Damn, they weren't dreadful. We, I thought we were going to win when it got to half-time, but second half, they were just awful. It was so poor. And um, great line on Junior Hoyler, I saw on Clive's piece on Loft for Words, saying that 
He had his kid on Friday, which proves that he can produce an end product after all. Nicely done. Graham, what did you reckon from how we got on? I think it's strange that every time, every now and then, we just completely change, not just the, the team, like the formation, but all the players in, in it as well. And it just seems to come with no warning whatsoever. Like a game like that, where you just you come along to the game like an hour before, the whole the whole team's changed, the the formations changed. You've got no idea when, where everyone's going to play, mm. and then the next game, I'm sure against Derby, it's probably going to go back to our, you know, like what we'd expect, you know, like with Phillips and Hoyle mm. playing and, and everything like that. It's just a bit odd. Do you think he knows what know he if, wants? Yeah, I'm not sure. Not I don't know if we sort of like see some of these games that we're just going to kind of, I'll like experiment in that game, but then. Which ones we experiment with, which aren't we? I don't know. It was almost like after the Birmingham game, you know, that's it now. It's clicked all of a sudden. We've kind of got it together. And then, of course, we did what we did on Saturday, which was forego three points. Yeah, exactly. And I think every time we seem to do, have one good game where we think it's going to be promising, I think Hasselbank's got where he wants to go with the team. You suddenly turn around and see the next game. It's, it's gone again, complete in, inconsistency, but not even taking what went well in the last game and, and carrying on with it. Mm. it I, I, do, I do agree with you, David. It, it felt like we were lacking creativity as we sort of lined up because we're no Hoyler, no Phillips. I know he played at uh, El Quijote, if I pronounced yeah. him right. on the left, yeah. We didn't, we, we didn't really create a lot all game, did we? I mean, no. even when we went a goal behind, there wasn't like a big push and we was... There wasn't really any chance. There was the penalty shout, and that was about it, really, wasn't it? I mean, mm. I don't really remember their keeper making a save second half. You couldn't... Once we went a goal behind, I couldn't see us getting back in the game. No. And it shouldn't be the case against the team down the bottom. Great support, though, we it took. Was, yeah. Explain that. Why are we taking... You know, it's, I know it's not London, but... It's not, I know it's not miles away, but yeah. it's not right on our doorsteps. Take I think we'd have a lot of fans living up that way as well. Like, yeah. Sort of moving out into the home counties and whatnot. Probably has uh, seen like a stat that it was the the biggest away following of the weekend, which was the most disappointed and fans for of nothing. the weekend. Yeah. Then probably that's the stat. kind of game you need to win as well when you're a new manager and you're trying to get fans on side. You lose a game in front of three and a half, four thousand away fans, and you lose to Fulham at home. Mm. They're the kind of games you need to win to get a bit of credit in the bank for when you know there's darker. You know things go wrong next season, like with Ramsey last year. It was always brought back about Ramsey that. Oh, we brought Sean Wright Phillips on in the last minute at Man City and that kind of thing. Mm. He never really had any credit, and I think Hasselbank's kind of going the same way. We're losing these games where there's a lot of people turning up. Well, you say we're losing these games. Do you know how many games Hasselbank's been in charge for? Gabe? Uh, Dave, Graham, how many games has he been in charge for? 18? 14 or 15? 16 games, right? How many have we won? This was my bad maths on the train. Three, I reckon. Three, yeah. Three games he's won, but he's only lost five. He's drawn all the others, won all, hasn't he? And he's drawn all the others. Not not, not all (laughs) won all, but nearly. (laughs) felt like it. But nearly. And I think, from what I made out, my back of fag packet maths was 17 goals for, 17 goals against. Which sort of shows, if you're getting anybody, if anybody... Sorry, if a manager comes in and says, well, you know, I'm sort of trying to find my way and rebuild and stabilise, that is sort of stabilising form, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's the yeah, epitome it's of not, a mid-table team, isn't it? It's not dreadful. It's you be quiet. <laughs> All right, so. Don't know why we gave you that, Mike. No. We only did it because we want to take the mick out of Wenger and Arsenal, on Arsenal and you, but we'll do that. Yeah, we'll come on to that. We'll come on to that. Sorry, Dave. 
Yeah, no, it's not <laughs> dreadful form. I mean, we've done reasonably well. It's just we seem to lose these key matches when, you know, the Fulham game's a big derby game. They just didn't turn up for it. MK Dons, you've got a big away following. They haven't turned up. Now you've obviously got Brentford coming up. You kind of need them to turn up for that one. Mm, you know? It's a really good time to build on confidence from the Birmingham game, I think, with mm. the players and the fans. But it's just another time where you just think, oh, Jesus. Start again, time? isn't it? Over time. Mm. And then, yeah, so tomorrow I'd, I'd imagine we'll probably do pretty well because a lot of the time we, you think we that just we do. play That's well against the, sort of we, yeah, play well against the sort of the teams we're not expected to play well against, like the ones pushing for promotion and whatnot. And then, like the elephant in the room is Brentford, I suppose. Mm. Uh, if they bring, they bring, they're going to bring a bigger way following. They're going to care about the games. So. It's going to mean a lot more to them probably mm. as, as Fulham showed. Well, talking of Brentford, um, we've got lots of links, obviously, uh, as a local club with Brentford. One of them is our next interview. But before that, Gabe, you have you. Uh, let's ask you a random question. You have engineered probably seventy shows, QPR shows. Who is your favourite as a non-QPR fan? Who's your favourite person that we've interviewed? Oh, favourite interview. Um, I know who you love. That's the thing. I mean, the second Ali Fallen interview. It was great. Two weeks ago, listen to it. If you yeah. haven't listened to it, do you listen to it? Yeah, well, that was our here. third, wasn't it? That was our oh, third. Oh, that was our third, The yeah. second one was at your old office, if yeah, I'm yeah, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my boss is break, that. Breaking yeah. the fourth wall yeah. here. No, it was yeah. in that studio that I own. Um, yeah, that was, uh, he's, just, he's just amazing. He's a really nice, nice down-to-earth guy, and it's strange to see from any footballer just that kind of level of normality it's 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 almost yeah a strange level of normality and that's why we all love him right so back to this interview uh brentford links with brentford um who better than martin rowlands ex qpr midfielder um really cemented cemented his place in the hearts of qpr fans and we have him on the line now hi martin thanks for joining us um loads to talk about it's it's um Few years since we've, uh, well, few years obviously since we've seen you on the pitch at Loftus Road. What, tell us what you're up to these days. Um, not too much, to be honest with you. I've uh, moved into doing a bit of property uh, and land development sort of stuff, but uh, in general, I've just sort of retired and spending a bit of time with the family, um, looking to see what I'll do with the next chapter of my life, really. Not. Uh, not fully made a decision on it yet. And you talk about property. Do you think that's the way you want to go, or, or would you like an opportunity to get back into the game if you can? Um, possibly would look to get back into the game. I know, obviously, it's very temperamental these days, coaching and management, in terms of time scale of managers that they last these days. And, and, and if you're a coach, obviously, you tend to go with with the person that's in, that's brought you in. So um, I'm not entirely sure. Of, of what route I'd go down, but I would like to to be back involved in football in the next few years, whether it be dealing with players and and not necessarily an agent at all, but but dealing with players and and sort of player management in in terms of I don't know help helping players sort of uh, in the game and advising them on what to do when they retire and the pitfalls and the the things that can happen to people when they do come out of football and obviously. It's well documented what can happen. So, basically, helping young players generally because they're the people that need more advice. That's that's quite interesting, and and we are a QPR podcast, and I promise I will come on to QPR questions. But on that, seeing as you mentioned it, what what do you think are the biggest pitfalls that pl- do you know that players do face when they retire? Um, 
not necessarily retirement because it depends if people have invested their money sure. well or used it well or or how they've lived. But uh, in general, the players are paid an awful lot of money these days in the top two divisions mainly. But uh, obviously, the youngsters they, they they need advice of how to how to spend that money and not to obviously make some bad investments or or just basically to set themselves up for their future when they do retire in terms of. It's great when you're when you're playing for however long it could be, but at any point you could pick up a big injury which could end your career, and you need to sort of look after yourself so that when you have finished, you still have an income coming mm. in, and and it doesn't just all of a sudden just completely stop, and and before you know it, you, you're stuck and, you, and you've got nothing coming through the door and no wages, and and then it becomes a problem for people, you know. Martin Rowland's financial advisor to footballers. I can, I can <laughs> I wouldn't go that see far. it now. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I would have put their money into property and land development. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right, Martin, have you followed Rangers much uh, this season? If, if, if you have, what, what do you think of um, where, they, where we are at the moment? We, we've just been talking about the Milton Keynes game on Saturday. I don't know if you got to see that, but what's your verdict on, on this season? Um, yeah, I've been, I have obviously been following this. this it's my club now, so it's, um, um, in terms of where we are, I think it's in the transitional period. Obviously, with the changes and, and the way the club's trying to bring through younger players uh, and get rid of pretty much the squads that have been there for the last two to three years, that sort of at a lot of the club's money and, and, and stuff, and they're trying to go down a route of bringing in younger, hungrier players and, and obviously they're looking at enhancing the youth section at the club to, to bring through homegrown players, which is obviously brilliant for the football club. But I do think that's going to take a long time to set up and to get running how the club would like it. But um, in terms of how the club's been doing and performances, I think it's been very hit and miss all season, really. I think obviously the week before, good result at home to Birmingham, 2-0 and then you go to MK Dons and by all accounts, I didn't see the game. I'm going on what I've spoke to supporters who have seen it and been, and the second half was, was not too good and, and not good watching. So um, what what I'd like to see and what I'm sure all the fans would like to see is just getting getting the hunger back for, for the for the players and, and that desire and that hunger and that fight and will to win and giving 110% all the time, which the games I've sort of seen, I think it's been in fits and starts, but not not uh, consistent enough seeing that desire and that hunger. You're talking about, presumably, I mean, you played in that period in the early noughties with kind of the likes of Bircham and Gallen and, and, and some guys that really, and you, of course, and Lee Cook, and guys who really, really cared about the club and were fantastic players, yeah. but also almost, you know, took that, took that passion onto the pitch with them. Do you, you are you saying you think that's been lacking even this season? Um yeah, I think at times it's been lacking. I think obviously there's a, there's a huge wage bill still and people on huge wages and that's I mean obviously at that period that era which we all sort of came together in was was a bit of a freak because we all sort of came together at a period of time with Ollie as manager who who sort of epitomised what we sort of did and what we were. And we sort of managed ourselves in terms of that and everyone just bought into the ideas and how we was. That's not going to happen all the time. I mean, that, that that's that's quite freaky to, for it to happen and all feel the same way and all bring that to the pitch. So, But it's just you're not seeing enough desire and hunger and leadership and, and passion 
whether it's for the club that you're playing for or whether, but uh, I mean, your personal pride, of, the, the, obviously there's been games on the TV that have been on and you, you just think, where's the fight and the hunger? And these are London derbies. and You're not really seeing any big tackles made. You're not seeing any... It just sort of, you look from looking from the outside in as not being part of it anymore. You just, you're just thinking, where's that, where's that G up? You know, where's that drive and hunger? And I just think once that comes back, the fans' passion will come back because obviously it's hard for the fans at the moment going to watch very inconsistent performances and results. Mm. Hi, Martin. When you played under that team uh, with Ian Holloway and Bertram and Cook and Gallon and everything, did you realise at the time that it was quite a unique situation? Or And did other players coming into that team, did they realise that there's something quite special here? Um I think when you when you play, you're just in that bubble, aren't you? You just you're just there all the time, and you, it just rolls along. I think when you come out of it, or when people leave, that's when you sort of realise that we had something special there. You know, if we could have just added a few bits to it, we could have pushed on again, maybe. But when you come out of it and you look back, at, like sort of as you move on through your career, and you look back, you think, God, that was that was special what we had there, and and that was a special two, three, four years that we all had together, you know. But at the time, I think you're in a bubble playing, and yeah, it's enjoyable, and you know that you're bringing that to the table every week. But but um, as a as players, I don't think we necessarily totally realised it at the time. But but yeah, it was enjoyable time to play, and and it was enjoyable for the football club as well. The the crowd was all seemed to be together. The, they knew the passion was there every week, and you just saw it, and and it bred through. And obviously, the fans were fantastic, and. I mean, it was brilliant just walking out on a Saturday back in that day. Yeah, Martin, of the current QPR side, do you reckon any of them would get in that team from about 2004? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Obviously, there's some good players there, and but I wouldn't have swapped any of that side for the side there now. If I'm being a million percent honest, I wouldn't have swapped any of that side. And I think... I mean, Shitu and Anua at the back would have been... No one would have got past them, would they? Of course, yeah, that's really. what I mean. But then you you could pick out a few players and put them in, and, and it would and they they would work. And but obviously that's a that's an era and a period that's gone. I mean, people probably would say it of our era and the era before of players. And obviously you can't look at it like that. It's just about the club moving forward and progressing again. Now after going up and having the good times and getting to the Premier League, coming back down, going back up to the Premier League, and now is a real is a, it is in a real transition of of basically shifting on players and moving them on, which has happened over the last year, and bringing in the new ones and the new crop with the new management and, and background of the club and the staff to hopefully progress again. And, and I don't think it would be a good thing for the club to get into the playoffs to push on again this year. I really don't. I think it would hinder what the club needs to do if it was to get into the playoffs and, and get promoted. But... Oh, yeah, I don't think you need to worry about that, Martin. <laughs> no, I don't think we need to worry about that, to be honest. But <laughs> uh, I know I do, you do see people writing it and thinking it and obviously probably previously within the last couple of months rather than now, still wanting that. But obviously that that is wanted and the success is wanted. But I just think it would hinder what needs to happen. I think it needs to stabilise for a year or two in the Championship and then but with the background and the footing of the club on a better level. What 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 I'm interested to know what you think about uh Les and that setup because you you talk about the club and the atmosphere that was there in the days that you played and he played I guess if I do some quick maths 10 12 well about 10 years yeah. before you and and he yeah. talks about bringing back those days when the club used to invest in youth and they had young hungry Definitely. players 
Do you think yeah. he is the right man for that job? Well, yeah. I, I, in an honest, I don't know how it's being run behind the scenes and what Leslie's total job is and what he has to deal with day-to-day basis. But I know, like you said there, he's a QPR person and, and his QPR's in him. And I'm sure he wants to bring that success and that hunger and, and that feeling back to the club. It's not an easy thing to do because, obviously, footballs have become very mercenary. People have paid an awful lot of money. And if they're paid that money, maybe they don't have that hunger. Maybe they're there playing for wages and as a job rather than playing for the shirt and the badge and the hunger and having the players around you, you know? Mm. So it's a hard thing to bring back because the way the sky and the money that's in football now, it's, it's hard to get them sort of players. And obviously, there's a lot more European players and, and world sort of players, foreign players, rather than back in that day, especially Les's day, there'd been a lot of British players, which all sort of stand up for the same thing. And, and you have that moral ground, which you can all sort of be together with, rather than if there's a lot of different cultures around, it becomes difficult. What's your... I mean, this is probably a really obvious question. What's your best? What's your best memory from your nearly what two hundred games with the club? Yeah, it's around. I think it's around two hundred to two twenty games. Uh, best memory is um, Sheffield Wednesday away, getting promoted <laughs> on that day was was obviously a very special moment. But there's, there's other moments in amongst it where there was important times of goals that were needed, and obviously playing for QPR and get my first island caps and, and things like that. They're, they're all part and parcel of, of my life. And like, to be honest, I was with my boy today and he was wanting to watch me on YouTube watching goals and watching what you do. And it's good to be able to look back at that and, you know, be proud of it. Who, who does he support? He supports QPR. Yeah. So, bless him. He's in for a couple of years turmoil, isn't he? But, <laughs> yeah, he, he's there and he, he loves it. So, it's no, it's all good. Martin, explain this. As far as I know, you weren't a QPR fan growing up, but you can correct me if, if you were. But we interview players every week, ex-players every week on this podcast, and there's something about the club that just leaves their mark on them. And if they weren't QPR fans before, they still, years later, decades later in some cases, talk about we. It's almost like there's yeah. some weird thing in the club that gets a hold of everyone. Well, like you say, I wasn't necessarily a QPR fan when I was a boy. I didn't really have a total team that I thought sort of followed. I mean, Liverpool was the big side back in the 80s when I was growing up as a kid in the 90s. They was like winning everything. So you sort of followed them. But being local, everyone was QPR. So you'd always follow the results and follow it. And I know all the players like the Bardsley, Sinton, Les, you know what I mean? Them, that sort of era. And obviously Alan McDonald, who's God rest him. But people like that. And so you followed. And then obviously it comes to the point of when you're playing and whether you support whoever it is you you support once you turn professional or you turn playing or that sort of focus goes from whoever it may be because you're playing week in week out for a different side and then obviously when I signed for QPR it just all sort of come home and as you said you sort of with the era I was in it became even more apparent how great a club it was and how together everybody was I know that has been lost in recent years from from, from things but as we previously just spoke about, that is what Les wants to bring back and that feeling of adoration for the club. Right. We need to finish up. But before we do, we're playing Derby tomorrow, but at the weekend, we've got Brentford. Now, all footballers always talk about looking out for the results of their old clubs. So we're looking at you 
We're looking to you. No, to if give you're us... asking me, I never look at their results. If that's what you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, what, what, uh, what, what, what can we look out for in the game? What, um, what, uh, what do you think might happen on Saturday? Um, well, obviously, earlier in the season, the game was on the TV, so I watched that because I didn't go down there and just take that abuse. But <laughs> I watched it on the TV, and all I would say, watching it, it was just the most one of the most boring London derbies I've seen. All I'd hope that would come from the game is some passion, some hunger, and some tackles to be flying in. Whether you win, lose, draw, whatever, if you show that passion, that hunger, at least the fans can go, well, we gave it everything, we just wasn't good enough on the day. So mm. hopefully you see passion, hunger, and a good performance, and, and more importantly, hopefully you do get a few points to show some desire and some hunger in a London derby, you know? Give us a score prediction, Martin. I predict that we'll win 2-1. Nice one. We being QPR, yeah, not Brentford. Most, def- most definitely. <laughs> All right, Martin, thank you very much for joining us. Always good um, to have you on. You've been on before. Please do come on again. And um, No problem. Yeah, good luck with um, with all, all, all the property and land stuff and um, hope you um, get back into football soon. Brilliant. Thank you very Cheers. much, guys. Thanks, Thanks Brilliant. Right. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. It's interesting... Um, Hearing what he says about he wants to see passion and tackles flying in in London derbies, I think that's why we always get done to Fulham. Because I have a theory that Fulham value... Fulham is the example because we always lose to them, but there's others as well. They value that game highly. They're they set are, up looking at it as a derby, aren't they? And I think we're coming on the pitch thinking it's just another game. And the way we play against Chelsea, we'd never play... Like that against Chelsea, would we? We, we don't play like that against thing. anyone yeah, else, yeah, do against we? Anyone, yeah. You just think, like, first 10 minutes in a derby, you want to win, we're like Martin was just saying, win lots of tackles, have a few shots on goal, get the crowd up, win a few corners. We never do that against Fulham, and we didn't do it against Brentford away either. <clears throat> you know, we start so slowly, and it, and it just peters out. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, let, as we're talking about it, let's go on to the next couple of games this whatever we want to call it bipolar Jekyll and Hyde QPR Derby tomorrow which probably about half of our listeners will listen to us before that game uh, the other half won't so the the other half that are, of you that are listening sorry about this what do we what what, what do you want to see uh, Graham for the next two games two home games in four days Derby Brentford what do you want to see I think I'd like to see a bit of um, bit of a cohesive team in a way um, I'd like to Taking what we've done well in the last few games and building on it, I think Perch has been quite good in the last few games, playing left-back. Mm, you weren't at Milton Keynes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> no, but I think that is yeah. the point. He had a couple yeah. of good games yeah. and then not a good game. Where he's done well, like finding what he's done well. I think while Luongo's had a run in the team, like, I like I like the look of him, but it's kind of, I don't know if there's a, a certain type of tactic we're playing that sometimes isn't really suiting him when he's in, mm. in, in midfield there, like as part of the two in the middle. Um it's so difficult to even work out because it's like, what do you fix? Is everything? I mean, the keeper's all right, but the rest of it, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave? just don't know where to start with it. I mean, there's, I'd like to see like um, LKR get a start again tomorrow. I thought he looked all right on Saturday. Mm. Yeah, like Graham said, just try and kind of keep to one set team, you know. I thought we, I thought the tactics were quite good against um, Birmingham. Try, try and play a similar way. I think against the top teams in the division... We're doing okay against them. I think you know we're raising our game in them mm. sort of games. It's the t- games against teams down the bottom that's the problem. And I'd worry more about Brentford than I would about tomorrow night. I think we will win tomorrow, but I'm not sure about Saturday. 
Do you agree with Martin Rowland that you he hopes we don't make the playoffs? Because that will be a distraction. That will then all of a sudden all the best laid plans to develop the team and kind of be you know spend time on them will go out the window. I don't we'll throw that, everything at that. I don't really think there's any plan at all. It really doesn't look like there's a great grand plan or anything like that. And like we said, there's like let's not bother getting into the playoffs. I think well, the scary thing, yeah, that. the scary thing would be if we went up and we just get destroyed again. But obviously, we don't need to worry about it <laughs> yeah. and whatnot. But. Can I, I really ask, as, yes. as an outsider, yes. um, so to play devil's advocate here, like Aston Villa recently have, have basically, it's been quite obvious that they've been, they know they're going down, they've been planning to go back down to the championship. Yeah. There's a load of Premier League money next year, parachute payments aren't what they used to be, you're in a load of debt. Would it be the worst thing? Well, we're thing? not actually, but go no. on. No. Okay, would it be the worst thing in the world to, to get promoted and... Get all wh- that money for a season. But whether, whether or not this happens and to actually plan... Not plan to go down, but to not just spend it and go, okay, we're going to stay up now, we're going to be mid-table. Well, there's two two arguments against that. I mean, just to clarify, the club isn't actually in any debt because they wrote off the debt and converted it to equity. But if they hadn't done that, they would have been in lots of debt. The argument, would it, be, would it be worth going up, getting that money and kind of spending it sensibly? Well, first of all, that's not going to happen. Second, QPR are not going to spend it sensibly yeah. if they've got it. Um, second of all, it's almost better, QPR would almost do better without money than they yeah. would with money. Okay. Um, so the argument would be, well, we've tried it with being in the Premier League where mm. there's been a very big income stream and it hasn't quite worked out and all it's done is been wasted. So let's actually try doing it the proper way. But I mean, right? if you, so if you re-establish as a championship side, do you, are you not sort of prolonging the inevitable? Does, does the overspending and ridiculousness not need to stop at some point? It has, in theory, mm. hasn't it? Yeah. yeah, That's the idea. And I think what Martin Rowland means is, it finally looks like things are roughly on the right track. Don't ru- like very early days. Very early days. Okay. Don't ruin it by being promoted. And that always reminds me. Uh, at the end of last season, we did a survey of QPR fans, and I can't remember the exact results. But we asked people how much of a priority is getting promoted next season, and the vast majority said it's not a priority. Yeah, it was something like seventy percent. Yeah, there. exactly. Yeah, if, when you look at when we was in the Premier League before, all the players that did well were from the Championship. So when we stayed up that first year, it was Sean Derry, Tarap, Paddy yeah. Kenny, all those sort of players that kept us in the division. It wasn't the players we'd spent money on. So I think if you bring in players like that again, build a good Championship team, you can go up and stay up. Bournemouth have shown it this year. They've not gone up with superstars. Yeah. They've spent a bit of money, but they're, they're just a workman-like team and they're going to stay up this Norwich year. Norwich stayed up Norwich, for a season. Norwich done I mean, it before. It's not, it's not the best... Or it's a good league, the Premier League, but you can stay up in it. There's mm. six really good teams and the rest are... If, if you're organised, you can stay in that league. But Developing a strong spine play. of the team, maybe, yeah. isn't it? And having that character of your, your team. Would you think we're squad. getting there now? Smithies, Hall... There's a nucleus of a decent championship team there. It's not good enough for the Premier League yet. No. Nowhere near. But it's, you know, the Smithies, Hall, Cherry, Lawonga, I think are decent players. But we need, we need so much more to, to be yeah, talking about the Premier League. Yeah, a few other players getting settled in. Like, maybe we don't know, haven't seen that much of Washington yet. Exactly. Um, no. You know, little bits and pieces from different players. and like, yeah, what you, do, what, what, you could see a bit of a spine growing there. What, yeah. what do you think of Washington? I mean, he, he's only started, I think, three games and he's had six, seven appearances in I all too early. Each time he starts, he's on his own up front and got no one near him. Saturday, he had no one within 20 yards of him the whole game. Mm. So he was just, he was so isolated. 
think if if we actually start him with either with Poulter alongside him or with Cherry up near him, you might see a different player. But he's we were just pumping long balls at his head. It's not his game. He's he looks like he's he looks like he's struggling at the minute. But I don't think it's his fault really. It feels like Poulter could be a good partner for him. Yeah. Apparently yeah, like he was unwell. Together. Mm. Yeah. Apparently he was unwell on Saturday. Um, and the, also Saturday, Junior Hollett being left out made me think, is he going to call his, I assume it's a son, for the purposes of this gag, we'll call it a son, is he going to call him Junior Hoylett Junior? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, right, let's move on to the R's end. So the R's end of the show is anything... Uh, that you we haven't mentioned, haven't thought of, haven't talked about, anything else about QPR. Um, I will start. Stadium. So, uh, and there's a couple of points to this. So, Paul and I, uh, uh, representing the podcast and the various other fan sites, went to a meeting with the club last week with various fans groups, fan sites, um, which is kind of like, uh, they, they've, they to, to their credit, they've entered into a dialogue with lots of fans groups over the last couple of years and they kind of give us a, an update every three, four months. Um, at that one was discussed the stadium, uh, the stadium project, which um, is very complicated to understand a lot of this stuff. Um, and I'm way too thick to understand it all, but my, my reading of it is there's a planning process underway, there's plans in and sometime next year... Um, they, there should be a decision on it and I know that the minutes of this meeting have been on various fan sites the last couple of days and by all accounts the club um, would benefit from a fans writing to the authorities and kind of putting their support behind it um, then I went to Milton Keynes on Saturday and I thought this is, this is weird that I'm going to this place four or five days straight after that meeting. That is, whatever you think of Milton Keynes and how the club came about, that is a tremendous stadium, great facility, right size. I actually don't know the, the, the attendance off by heart. I think it's about 30,000. But it was, I don't know what you thought, it was horrible being there. It was, it was empty. weird. It was so empty. There was no atmosphere. It, it was just far too big for them. They had, it was a really weird experience the whole day. It was it like was, a pre-season friendly, it wasn't was, it? It was, yeah, yeah. It was just odd. Even when they scored, it was like nothing was happening. It was really weird, yeah. the atmosphere. So for those who weren't there, there was 14,000 there in a 30,000-odd-seater stadium. Mm. 4,000 of those were QPR fans, so there was nine, ten thousand 10,000 home fans. And they were just dotted about, and there were whole stands closed. Yeah. And I, I sort of thought, a stadium, new stadium project that goes well, great, is that is goes well. A new stadium project that goes wrong is Milton Keynes Stadium, or whatever they call it. That's the worry. You've seen it with other clubs like Coventry. They've gone into a big new stadium. The team haven't known very well, so it's empty every week. Yeah. And as well, Coventry don't own the stadium, so no. they've had problems with that as well. Now, the club... Lee Hoos, who I have to say is a very impressive individual and by all accounts seems a very transparent guy, an honest guy. They'll tell you, I don't, I don't want to make them sound kind of like the devil with this, they will say that one of the reasons for a new stadium is the non-match day revenue. And I, I know people who work at Wasps, the Rico Arena is packed out every day and they're, they're making a lot of money in non-match day revenue. But, of course, the flip side of it is when it gets to Saturday and it's empty, it just feels like a funeral procession or whatever it is. It just lacks a bit of character and personality, doesn't it, of the stadium and the team and everything like that, and then like how the fans as a culture as well. I think a lot mm. of us would kind of find it a bit odd, like coming from where we've come from, but that's, 
that's how football goes. Who doesn't like having their knees up behind their ears every Saturday <laughs> afternoon? That sounds a bit rude. As well, <laughs> as an oh, outsider, obviously, um, the Emirates, there's definitely some, some problems with it. Um, I'm not going to talk for too long about that, but actually um, looking at QPR Stadium from the outside, it's a great, it's a great old school ground and it's traditional. It's got so much history and... Do Arsenal if, fans miss Highbury? Oh, 100%. I've had a wander around in there when someone left the door open a little bit because it's flats Oh, now. what, the Highbury flats? The Highbury yeah. flats, yeah. I mean, just every, yeah, everyone misses Highbury and it would be a shame to see any stadium like that go. Okay. Uh, Graham, you're our end. Okay, I think um, just when we were speaking to Martin and Rowlands there, I was just thinking back to like the best times as watching QPR as a fan. And that time, that team with Holloway... At like leading the team, like the the different players within it, and thinking so many of them that are like real sort of heroes and that. Thinking back, but a lot of those times we, we were having all sorts of terrible results, like the kind of Vauxhall Motors results and things like that. And there's all sorts of weekends when it was like this was the worst ever team we've ever seen. This season we have the same thing, you know. Like I'll be sitting in an upper loft going, "Oh, that's the worst I've ever seen." But like, hopefully, like and they you still know, surprise you. They like, keep yeah, surprising yeah, you. Yeah, they keep, keep getting worse. worse. Keep getting worse. <laughs> but like, you know, sometimes we're sitting there thinking, right, well, we could be on to something. We could be improving. I just hope that, like, well, well, Martin said that you know that was a real unique situation there. That team that we had, and like as it was building, I think as a club, like if we can build something that's even half half of that, you know, through this kind of um, organic way that we're trying to go through, or even you know, getting sort of lower league players and everything like that to build some, something more that we can sort of be proud of would, would be amazing yeah. Dave uh, just got a quick one um, I'm on the QPR mailing list and sadly we had a member of it John Allen passed away this weekend um, he was an American guy he started supporting QPR back in the 70s he always had a strong opinion on what was happening at the club um, he posted recently about um, Alan Barnes's accident and said he used to attend reserve games with him back in the 80s so it was a bit of a shock to find out this morning that he'd passed away. I just want to say our thoughts are with his family mm. and all the best to him and his friends. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Okay, um, right. Let's um, fro- let's let's sort of try and leave on a bit more of a cheery note. Then two games. Let's have two predictions around the table. Uh, so Derby. We'll do them both. Everyone doing them at the same time. I will go. I actually don't think. Can't ever say we'll lose a game. Draw Derby, beat Brentford. Four points from them. Graham? 2-1 Derby, uh, 2-1 Brentford. Six points. Take that. I reckon we'll beat Derby, draw Brentford. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay, thank you very much. Gabe, thanks very much. You can get a microphone in 70 podcast time. Thank you very much. Cheers. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Thanks, Martin Rowland. Uh, this has been Open All Isles. We'll be back with you next week. You be up. You be up.